glorify you, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. Glorify you and worship you, Jesus. We're not going to stop worshiping. We're just going to pause for just a moment to administer virtue, healing, power of God. There's a prayer request. Actually, Bailey's sister, Addison, she's had whatever this junk is for several days now. Hasn't really been able to recover. Twelve years old. I'm going to pray for her, but I'm going to release the power of God for everyone. having a fight during this time physically worship you Jesus we glorify you ours is the kingdom Lord ours is the kingdom we glorify you So right now, for Addison, I speak the healing virtue of the Lord. And I rebuke this thing in your body, and in the name of Jesus, we begin to cast it out. We command that by the healing stripes of Jesus Christ, you're made whole today. Be made whole in Jesus' name. We release the power of God to you and we command your fever to go in the name of Jesus and full and perfect recovery, Addison, now in the name of Jesus. I command this virus out of your body. I command this poison out of your system. And everyone else that's part of this church and those that are believing in the name of Jesus, Right now, by the healing stripes of Jesus Christ, we stand in a place. And we cast this thing off and we cast this thing out. In the name of Jesus, the 2,000 years of man's doctrine, Lord, will be taken off of us. That true believers, true disciples will emerge. And we command these things done. We command them off and out in the name of Jesus. The healing stripes of Jesus coming down. We command to release the power of God. For those that are watching, and maybe you're going through something physically, you couldn't be here in the name of Jesus. Now here's our stand, here's, here's where we're at. A lot of what touches the world and other Christians are still touching us. We understand that. There's no condemnation in the fight. But what there is in us is an absolute protest, an absolute protest that we're the children of the covenant, we're the children of the kingdom. 
And our attitude is what goes around comes around. If it's not that, we refuse that. That's where the church is at, at large. The church at large is, well, what goes around comes around, so it's probably going to... There is a Holy Ghost... I don't know, this is not the right word. It's just in the word. Arrogance that you should take. Guard your mouth, guard your tongue. Don't get with even don't get with even other revivalists and says, you know, well, it's going around, so it's even if you're fighting it, we're supposed to emerge to a place where it doesn't come around. If it does come around, the law of the spirit of life. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, then why why are we doing all this revival? Why confess any of it anyway? If the blind heal, the lame walk, that's all above this. That's a pay grade above this anyway. So what goes around doesn't come around. It doesn't. We're, if, if, we, if we do get it, we're under protest the whole time. Under absolute protest. This is not who I am. It's not if they came out of Egypt, no sick, no weekly then for God's sake, we've got better than that. So what goes around doesn't come around. It doesn't come around. It doesn't come around. It, well, you're an idiot. I don't care. What goes around doesn't come around. If I feel sick, I'm under protest. This is not who I am. It's not, this is totally a contradiction against everything I hear and see in the Word. There's no allowances. There's no condemnation. doesn't mean you're under sin. It's just, it's, that's below our pay grade. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Praise Him. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Your healing virtue. We thank you, Lord. The blind see and the lame walk. The deaf hear and the dumb speak. The dead are raised. Demoniacs are set free. It's one and the same. The same God that heals, or the same God that saves, heals. If I can't have one, then I can't have the other. If he can't heal me, I don't know if I'm saved. Well, that's, that's a little far, Pastor. It's all the same power. It's all the same. There's no separation. By his stripes, I'm healed by his blood. I've been born again. I give you glory and praise you, Jesus. I worship you as one kingdom, one kingdom, one kingdom. I exalt you, Jesus. I exalt you, Jesus. I exalt you, Jesus. I exalt you, Jesus. I worship you. Praise you. Worship you. Take us into worship, guys. Hallelujah.
Touching every heart, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, and you are here. You're healing every heart, and I worship you, Lord. I worship. Yeah. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We glorify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We glorify. I am, I am, I am the way maker. I am the way maker. Believe my word. Stand upon my word. Say what my word says. Don't say what the world says. Don't say what the news says. Don't say what the doctor says. But you say in your heart and you say out of your mouth that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. The healing power of God flows through me. It flows in me and it flows out of me. And no sickness, no disease, no pestilence that shall come upon the earth shall come upon me. For I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed by the very life of God that flows in me. That's how you need to speak and that's what you need to say. Say what my word says. You're in the day and the hour that things are quickened. In the day and the hour that things are quickened. So set a guard upon your mouth and your lips that you don't side in with the world, but you say what my word says. Because my word is truth and it will never fail. My word never fails. So speak the word only and you shall be healed. Speak the word only and you shall be protected. You will be protected. Hear what I'm saying. Trust in me. Rest in me like you've been singing this morning. Rest in me. Rest in me. Rest in me. Rest in my word. For I am the God who provides. I am the God who heals. I am the way maker, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, Father. We receive it, Lord. We worship you. We receive it. Let's give God the glory. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. We magnify you. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We side with you. We side with you. Your word. We affirm, Lord, we're going to stand with you. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify you. We praise and magnify you. You and you alone, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. You stand over this tabernacle. You stand over those homes, those family groups, those people that are watching this morning, the churches, those individual churches, Lord, we thank you that your power is in those places in the name of Jesus. 
your glory is manifest. It is manifest. Lord, right now they can actually begin to experience your glory right now in the name of Jesus. The presence of God is in those places. I'm telling you the presence of God is right there among you as you're worshiping the Lord with us and healing power is flowing. In the name of Jesus, the virtue of the Lord, touch your body, ma'am. The virtue of the Lord, touch your body, sir. In Jesus' name, the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, fear, anxiety, going in the name of Jesus, the manifestation of this outpouring. Your glory, Father, we worship you. We praise you. Your presence, your presence, Jesus, you're worthy. We worship you, Jesus. You stand above the church, and we thank you for your presence, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Powers flowing down. Sing that again one more time. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Even when I don't see it, you work it. Even when I don't feel it, you work it. You never stop. Stop working, you never stop, you never stop working, even when I don't see it, you work, even when I don't feel it, you work, never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working, oh, even when I don't see it, you work, even when I don't feel it, you work, you never stop. Stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Terry, why don't you just play it again? We'll just keep you up there for just a couple minutes this morning. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to them about 
some things about sound. Is it on? Okay, good. I got the thumbs up. Well, we welcome everybody this morning. Don't worry about the storm out there. It's a front, not a hurricane. It's just a, just a front coming down. It, it'll, it'll be beautiful this afternoon. It's just, if you've lived in Florida, well, this is indicative everywhere. But those fronts, if you look at the rate, they're very, you know, it'll be a couple of hours of this. And it's not a extended thing. Hallelujah. Well, I'm too scared to drive in it to come to church. It's usually got about a, a mile or two of just really hard stuff, and on the either side of it, it's, it's okay. You know, just trying to be nice. Ask yourself if this came tomorrow morning, would you drive to work in it? Okay, good. I got one no, but I, I guarantee you there are those that would. There are those that would. And that's an honest answer. Some would, some wouldn't. But no foul thing comes nigh my dwelling. Psalms 91. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, we worship who you say you are. We glorify you. We glorify you. We worship you. By the way, there's church tonight. Six o'clock. I don't know if I announced it last week. It's on the bulletin board, but he's asked us to come and pray together. If Jay will lead us. And then we're going to have message that Gary preached now see I know some of you are a long ways away and uh, I understand that some of you have been sowing and when I say sowing that's coming whenever you can if you're a long ways away but all I know is the 2020 prophecies and others that we receive from out in Tulsa if you believe them they said I want you to get together corporately and pray I don't know how to get around that. I, I, I don't know. It's 6 o'clock. I'll say it again before we leave because I don't want anybody to miss it. Hallelujah. Turn with me as we're having that beautiful music played in the background to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. All of you at home, we greet you. We love you. Some of you felt like you couldn't make it through the the rain, that's fine. really is if you were afraid. I know they said, somebody said there were tornadoes watching. And that can be scary. But just like any trial in your life, it'll be blue skies this afternoon. You'll come through it. We'll come through it. Praise the Lord. Somebody's watching Clark. Bailey gets to come up here. Yay. Now, where do we give 
why do we give and how do we give, New Testament, every once in a while, every great once in a while, I'll do an exhortation on giving. Some people think, well, you shouldn't mention it. Well, Paul did, and I'm just, you know, why? Not to pull something from you, but to help in the reasons why, it's sense of faith and why do I give and what what's behind all this. And it gives ad, adds to your faith. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I'm going to give you, this is kind of the crux, the heart of New Testament giving. Jesus had some wonderful things to say about giving in Matthew 5, 6, 7 through there. But uh, this is Paul's rendition of true biblical grace giving. Uh, not tithing, but giving in the New Testament. Look at verse 9. He says, For we, or ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And of course, that's far beyond the physical dollar and cents. Jesus became poor spiritually, that in every aspect, in every aspect, primarily beginning first spiritually, that we become rich, being born again. That's the crux. That's the heart of this. But then he incorporates that truth in on giving. So we do know he wanted us to get a value out of that to understand that the poverty of Christ is reaches over into my liberality or my giving because I became rich in him, in all things, starting first. And born again. Then he says here, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient, meaning very important for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year, uh, but also to be forward a year ago. So the essence of that is this. They were, the Corinthian church were going to give something. Uh, there was an intention, and, he, and basically he goes into your intentions is wonderful. You had the intention even a year ago. Now let's go ahead and fulfill what your intentions were. So he says here, as we continue on, now therefore perform the doing of it, that is, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which we have. For there is for for if there first be or be first a willing mind it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not so that's important he lays the groundwork and he says it's not based on what you don't have it's what you have and so all new testament giving is based on so that takes uh it does two things it alleviates a pressure to try to have to, to produce something that you don't have. It also puts a responsibility upon every individual giver to understand, well, let me read further in, in what I'm about to say because it, it'll clarify it even more in these next few verses. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye bur be burdened, but by equality, that now at this time your abundance may be su a supply for their want, because he was raising an offering for 
others in Israel or in Judah or in Jerusalem, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. And he, he gives an example of that equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. Now he's referring there to, uh, to the gathering of the manna in the wilderness and that whole example of if you were old and sickly and could not gather, um, then the young and the strong, they gathered more. But when they all got it, they didn't take their portion home with them. Like I got 10 sacks. You could barely get out there and get one. They put it in one hopper, and then they all divided it e equally. So like if you're gathering, if you're really strong and you're, you're 25 years old and you can gather a ton more, it, it didn't, in that sense, the word, everybody got the same at the end. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the hearts of, and so he talks about, you know, that he had sent Titus and, and those kinds of things. When he said that there is a equality, not according to what a man, it, it's not based on what a man has not, but what he has, and I'm reversing the way to say that, but it takes the onus, the pressure off you not having to give more than what you can possibly. It also, here's the other thing too, it also puts a responsibility on all of us, myself included, to give in a place of equality and my what God speaks to me. In other words, if you're a person that says, okay, well, I really don't have to give because somebody's probably that's really got money uh, a high roller probably somewhere in this church or somewhere out there is making up my difference that's what the scripture is saying is not to be our attitude even if you knew a person even if you knew a person next to you had written a fifty thousand dollar check to the church and you shouldn't know that but if you did somehow know that it still doesn't according to this, negate you putting your 25 in or your 10 or your 100 because it's all based on what you're supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do. Every single one of us have a calling and a responsibility before the Lord. And he says here in chapter 9, for this I say, verse 6, it says, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now that's not talking about the more you put in, the more you get back. That's bountiful souls. In other words, he's just saying this, bountiful in the more that you can put, put in, the more that can be produced, more harvest, more souls, more, more being saved. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves or loveth a cheerful gi giver and this is the strength of the everything that we do and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work hallelujah in other words the grace for giving comes from him you know our faith comes from him from the very beginning our born-again experience. He gave me the faith to believe for. It was grace 
that came and faith. And so he started this whole thing. It all goes back to him. And he's, he's, the, he's the one that causes grace for me to be able to give. Not, it's not just the want to to give, but he'll provide the means by which I give. So I, I praise God. Um, thank you for your giving. Thank you for those who have given in this past year and those who have continued to give. And, uh, you know, we have, I'll just, I, I want you to know, not because out of necessity, because we're doing really well, thank God. But at the same time, what you're giving into is ongoing, ongoing things. Um, our streaming, I appreciate, you know, we're able to offer this streaming free of charge. Now, if you, somebody might say, well, streaming's free of charge. Oh, no. The YouTube, if, if you do something on YouTube, that's free. But the streaming company, we pay. We, we pay a, a handsome fee for that. Uh, we have, a lot of you have been missing some of our services because something's been happening to our system. We're doing things. I want you to know that what you're sowing into us, um, we're not just putting it in an account and saying we hope it you know, bears interest. We're sowing back into and trying to make your listening as clear and as beautiful as possible so that you're not only receiving, but you can recommend it to a friend and say, man, I heard something this past week. If you... If you give that to a friend and they turn it on there and there's this huge buzz, they're, they're not going to listen to it. And so there's a quality that we're after, not because of, you know, we want quality of, you know, keep up with the Joneses on our elect. That's not it. If you're a person like, I don't know about all this electronic stuff, it's, listen. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. Somebody said, let's just go back to the, the old those days will never, they're gone. Those days are gone. You can't bring them back. They'll never, ever, unless you try to, to some way keep up, you're going to have a hard, because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. You can't even hardly go in a restaurant and tell a waiter now what you want. You can go through McDonald's and tell them, but now they want you to order with your phone. They want you to, sometimes I'm, Sometimes I'm really lazy. Candy knows a lot more on the computer, and I'll just be trying to do something. If I get stuck a little bit, I'll say, Candy, come in here, please. And it's like I could work through it. I could probably work through it. And I might have to say, what do you do next? What do you? But, you know, it's just laziness. And I'm like, God, I can't be that way because the kingdom needs me to embrace change. The kingdom needs you to embrace change. Otto uh, Unlum is not here this morning. It's probably best. Give him a great big squeeze, him and Barbara, the next time you see them, and he'll say, what is that for? Thank them for things they've done behind the scenes. Most all of our equipment, our soundboard and stuff, were given to us years ago by them. They've got a reward. They have no idea what's coming for them when they get to heaven. But all of that system was those wonderful. It's monologue. It's we we part of the buzzing that we have is because it's outdated. It's just 
So now we're having, we just bought an, another new soundboard this past week. Stuff to go along with that. You just, well, I like the, I'm sorry, change is necessary. The, the one equipment that we have for broadcasting won't match up with the old. It just, uh, the old has to be put to rest and say, you, you did good for a long time. Your days, you can go, now not you, people, you better be 100 and going like crazy, okay? <laughs> but a lot of this stuff we're having to put to rest because it, it's not matching up electronically with what we've got. And we get buzzes and stuff that Marty said he, he gets so mad at it sometimes, you know, he's, he, thank God he's, he's sanctified because you'd hate to hear somebody cussing in the back. <laughs> but you know, you you can't hear the buzzes so much. People watching a lot of times are like, "Oh, we love the message. We can feel the anointing, but the buzzes are really." So we're we're updating stuff. I just want you to know, those that are your that are giving online, outside this place, and inside, you're sowing into other people. You're sowing in Arizona, sowing into Alabama, Alabama, sowing into Washington. They don't know it. Georgia sowing into Iowa, Iowa. We got a wonderful friend in Iowa. He's sowing here, but he's sowing to other. We're all sowing to each other. And so we're updating our stuff. Thank you for your giving. We appreciate it. It means so much because it is our ability to take this gospel and preach it to all nations everywhere. So let's pray. Ask the Lord what he'd have you to give. If you're not giving this morning, he'll he'll tap you on the shoulder in days to come and say, okay, you, I've, I've given you something for uh, the ministry there in Immokalee. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you for the gift, mostly of salvation, and the blessings of your spirit. We pray thy kingdom come. Thank you for the givers, Father. Thank you, Lord, for those that are sensitive to your spirit. We bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. And we just pray that you'll bless this offering this morning. In Jesus' name, let's all stand. If you have something this morning during this offering, please bring it down. Um, and then our kids can be dismissed and give somebody a great big hug. Amen. And Renee will give us something to bring it. Thank you.
Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Well, me saying glory, glory, glory. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Reminds me of yesterday. Um, we had a homegoing for Augustine Gonzalez and uh, Martha Gonzalez, and the family was here. And uh, some of the family personnel was here that was able to make it. And uh, Sister Yolanda is is uh, getting closer and closer. You know, I did not realize until I talked to them that it was 2013 when she had her first stroke. And uh, I remember the day that happened, they called me. She was in the Winn-Dixie parking lot, and they said she's really, something's wrong with her. And so they, they went, took her on, and, but it was a stroke, and she's had a, you know, several, many ones since then. She knew who I was, uh, all of us, um, just not the person that we knew. And uh, I think that her days are numbered as far as going home, but she was so beautiful sitting here, and I was complimenting her for the being the one who got her family into heaven, and uh, and how that we miss, I miss hearing her say glory, and uh, I, I walked over to her at the end and said, can you just say glory one more time? She gave us the biggest glory, <laughs> only as Sister Yolanda could do, and uh, I mean, she it came from way down deep within. It just broke me down. I couldn't hardly stand it. So I, I miss the days I'd have, uh, I'd be preaching and if Sister Yolanda was doing glory and, and Sister Callie was on the other side over on my right doing, say it pastor, say it, I knew that God was in the house then. I knew, <laughs> I knew that there was a presence in here and uh, so hallelujah. We appreciate all you being here. Uh, those of you who are watching, those of you here, I'll tell you, Homer will be ministering Wednesday night. Will you be here? Yes, I will be here to take notes. But uh, so many of you enjoy his teaching, and he'll be teaching again this Wednesday night. And I just wanted to let you know, just so you could get prepared and uh, for to enjoy and, and to tune in and watch. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I'm testing the waters here as far as Temperature-wise, you guys okay up there? Okay, thank you, Lord. You guys are, is Sarah's okay? Uh, Barbara, you okay? Okay. All right. Get Homer's not, but they turned it off in the back. Hallelujah. Glory. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Nowadays, I wait, try to wait, instead of just running into what I think I know, because it's really much more advantageous to you and to me as far as what he's called me to do. We are uh, a different church. I don't know if you can call us a church. We are a church, but we're a training center as well. And uh, I said Wednesday night, I said, my God, we are so, so vanilla. And I got home and Candy said, Yes, but vanilla is very important uh, ingredient into certain recipes. And if you don't have it, it doesn't work. She said, I've tried to substitute it before, and it doesn't work. Uh, I talked about that we are a stripped-down automobile. We are stripped down all the way. <laughs> There's no bells, whistles. Um, 
we stripped all the chrome off of this. I said, it's a stripped down. I mean, we got it down to bare. And a, a good friend of mine, Dr. Gene Gessner from Iowa, he watches us, and he said, uh, I, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but he texted me after. He goes, yeah, but the stripped down cars, they're the ones that run the fastest. So I said, amen to that. I said, I'm going to steal that, but I did give it credit this time. You know. Well, we have, not intentionally, but you see, there's, o- there's only two ways. Now, you can just mark this down. There's only two ways to build. If I say the kingdom, it might be that's inappropriate, kind of it's a misnomer because it really doesn't represent. I'll say it like this. There's only two ways to build a church, only two ways. You're either going to build it with programs or you're going to build it with power. And so we chose a long time ago, and then you chose with me because you're part of it to build this thing with power. And uh, the two don't cross. They They don't intermingle. It's water and oil. There's no mixture in either one. You can't get one to do the other. If you do the programs, they'll inevitably choke out the power. If you go with the power and then try to implement programs, it'll eventually take up all your time. You can't get them to mix. Now, maybe in the revival, there'll be certain things that we do that is instructed of us, but it'll be instructed of us out of the power and not out of a program. I'm thinking right now in the Gospels, Jesus, he, he provided food for 5,000 and then again for 4,000 plus children, men, women, you know, women and children. But he provided the food, I think it's John 5, 6. He provided the food, fed them. And then the next day, no, John 6, the next day, they, they tracked him down across the sea. And he said, you're, you're here, all of you are here, not because it was a miracle that I did, now I'm paraphrasing, but because you want to eat again. They wanted him to start a feeding program. That's what they wanted. They wanted to, we're back, you fed us yesterday, can and in all essence, he was saying, I, I'm, I did that yesterday, but I don't see the Father doing it today. We're not starting a feeding program. I'm not starting one. He did it one more time. But then he didn't do it the next day. But you've got only two choices. You've got a, either a program. Now, you can catch a lot and get a lot even inside the door. When I say inside the door, I'm talking about inside Christ. He's the door. You can get them just inside the door and never... They'll never grow up with programs, but you can keep a lot of people with programs. And you can get a lot of people even to heaven, but that's not our call. Our call is a revival. We chose our call. We chose it. Sometimes it tastes, uh, it tastes a, a little bit like wormwood. It tastes, doesn't taste so good, but yet inside it's the most rewarding. 
I didn't know that we were going to break off with programs like we did. It was just inevitable. We started, came from that house, came over here. And in this little place, can you imagine? I mean, we had, we were run, we were, we had enough Sundays leading up to it. And then prior to Dave ever coming, we had 150 people in here. Talk about, you definitely need to turn the AC up because that's too many bodies in this room. But that was kind of consistent with well over 100 every week. We had a, a good, I won't call it a program, because it was, it was doing some really good 50, 60, 70 kids on Sunday night. Homer was doing that. We had men's stuff. We'd take the men on our promise keeper get-togethers and men's meetings and we'd have men's breakfast and men's get together early Sunday morning. Then the only problem was there wasn't a whole lot of character. <laughs> Elders were doing things they shouldn't do and some of them finally ran off with that's enough. But programs can just pull them in, pull them in, pull them in. And it can keep some of them saved. I, I told you, now, I don't want to, as I said, and I mean this with all my heart, I don't want to make my living, meaning up here, running other places down. That wouldn't please him. And I don't want to say, <laughs> I don't want to be prideful in how humble we are by choosing this. How ridiculous. He won't come and anoint that either. When you're talking about other people and their detriment. The only reason why I bring all this up is to, again, remind us if we're going to go this way, then we're going we're to have to go all the way. There's no middle ground here. Because you can take programs and pull them in. So how could you go from 150 down to where we're at? You should, in 25 years, have went through three or four buildings. And you could have. We could have. Could have. The only thing is we took a route called death to the flesh, life to the spirit, miracles, revival of the kingdom of God. And that just absolutely goes against the grain of all logic. It just it's all logic of how to build a church. Because you put together programs. I told you Wednesday night, and again I'm not making fun. I went and looked at big churches in my in our area, not in Immokalee, but some spirit-filled and, and, and one not spirit-filled but a good fundamentalist church. You can get saved in there and you can live your whole life and get saved and be born again and follow Christ in there. They were big enough that one they had that Wednesday night, that was the 12th, because uh, y'all sing happy birthday to me. That was, I knew it was 12. But on the, that night they had eight services, different services on their property. They were big enough to facilitate that, and then they had all the different, different services. So you can get a bunch of people belonging to fellowship to come over here and eat with us and go, let's go fellowship. And then besides for that, let's, while we're doing that, let's have a men's group. I, it was one group, one church had ten different ministries, 
and 13 different, 13 different pastors. 13 of them. How, how would you like to be sending in to, to fund a payroll like that? And that wasn't, I'll give you a hint. This is, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I'll give you a hint of what church, what kind of church it was. And they're all, these, it's a, they, they teach sound, sound doctrine as far as born again. But all 13, their, you know, their title was pastor. So all 13 pastors, not one of them was a woman. Does that tell you something? <laughs> it should if you know where some of our good fundamentalist churches, what they teach. You can't be a, you can't stand up here. Although there was a woman, she, she was, she was over the women's ministry, but she couldn't have the title of a pastor, you know. We'll teach on all that later, as we have before. But a, wom- a woman can carry the anointing and stand up here and teach. But all those programs, in other words, if you get enough bells and whistles going, you can uh, facilitate. But here's the thing. Now, this I'll guarantee you. You say, well, I, I'll, I beg to differ with you. Beg to differ with me. It's okay. But I'm basing this on the Word of God. There will never, 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 never be a spontaneous combustion of power like revival come out of one of those churches that is building it on programs. You may have a revival start in a place where, why, how do you say that? Okay, well, I can say it like this. Ask, seek, and knock. That message is ask, seek, and knock. Get a bunch of revival, get a bunch of people right in front of the pearl, right in front of the throne and get them asking, seeking, and knocking with, with, with prayers of intercession and giving of thanks, meaning intimacy, and then calling on God with fasting, and then he'll come. You don't have that in an absolute, I'm not talking about in a passive way, like, okay, we've got a prayer group over here, we've got 14 other programs going. Now, you may get a revival started in a place like this, and it could, it could reach over into th- their church to see, God had come to see if the head, if the head, now, now listen to me, listen to me, I've never seen it, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've never seen anything that started in the pew and took over a church if it didn't start at the pulpit first. In other words, a lot of people, well, I'm just going to stay here and eventually my fav- my fervor is going to it's going to take over my aisle, it's going to take over my my um section and then it's going to bleed up to the pastor if you give a book to the pastor where you're at or share a revelation unless you're like bosom buddies with him and you've got his ear i mean here you're real intimate and he's like your best friend and he's already seeking and already hungry if it doesn't come from him to the people it won't come from the people up to change a church so what are you saying i'm saying you're stuck like chuck you're either going to stay there or you're going to find a place 
It's going someplace. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Because he'll cut it off. Well, I'll go there and preach. Listen, Pastor Dave said he got tired of going to other men's ministries and preaching, and then they got back. They're the same way. Jesus said, you're not going to be, and if he said it, I just believe it, you're not going to rise above your master. Now, he's not talking about masters and slaves. He's talking about the disciple. He said the disciple will not rise above its master. In other words, you're never going to get higher than what you're listening to on a weekly basis. If you're subjecting yourself weekly, 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 you're not going to get any higher. Well, if you do, you could. But if you do, you won't continue to subject yourself. Well, I'm going to change this church. Don't start in this. That's wrong, too. For you to cause any kind of insurrection in the church, you're supposed to, you, you can't do that. If, they, if it doesn't change in the pastor, it's wrong for you to try to change it from the, pulp, from the, from the aisle. The best thing you can do is real sweetly, joint in a real sweet way, bow out hallelujah so we started down this road and we didn't know <laughs> but here's here's the deal at the end of ours is everything that that side say well you're going down the same path no you're not we're inside him we've bo we both come in the way in Christ, but the method, the methodology is as diabolic, uh, diabolic, diametrically. It's like one going that direction. They don't; these paths don't run parallel; they run opposite. So you can put together fifteen different programs. One thing I called out of every one of the the bigger churches. I'm talking about hundreds up into the thousands. They had several things going on, and uh, one was feeding the poor. Recovery programs, everybody had a recovery program. You see, you can get a bunch of people coming and facilitate them. If you facilitate them, if you have a bunch of stuff going on, they'll find their niche. One, I looked at another website. I loved the website. It was like you kind of program in there what you where you'd like to be headed and it'll it'll kind of help you it'll take you along i'm not really critical it'll take you along to where your ministry is and where you need to get involved so some of those now i'm not being mean now i'm just telling you some of those people go to church more than what our so-called revivalists in this church go to they'll go two or three or four times a week and not think anything about it but it's like alan said the flesh doesn't the flesh i'm talking about even born again, the flesh doesn't mind you going to church. It won't fight you on that. It'll just fight you like all hell on dying. When you're taught dying, now then, then uh, wait a minute, now we've got an issue. You mean I got to lay down my life? No, I didn't sign up for that. I'll just take another program, please. I'll go help out. Because it makes you feel good when you're packaging, putting in boxes, clothes, and food. And not that that doesn't need to be done, but they tried to do that with Jesus. <laughs> Look at it, not in the service now. I think it's 6.30-something. He said, you're, you followed me today. Now I'm paraphrasing. 
you came here, you crossed the ocean or crossed the sea. You're here today because, not because I did a miracle. And you want, you want part in miracles. You got fed. And you want to be fed again. So what do you want me to do? Start a feeding program today? Oh, yeah, would you? You did it. Can we just all bring you a couple of fish each day and you start a feeding program? We'll, we'll help you. I'm not trying to belabor to be mean. I'm talking about the path that we've chosen. We've either got to be all in, and you know we're not going to. This is not a threat. Or, the, or we've got, if we're ever going to get any place as far as anything, this, you either sell out to it and go all absolutely, completely into it. Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work unless everything's put into it. How do you know? Because let's go to uh, Luke 14. I can't get away from this. I tried to get away from it this morning. I didn't try. I just was before him in the darkness praying. He just kept bringing it up. So we were here Wednesday night. I can't get away from it again. It's a lot of times uh, this will be taught. This chapter will be taught out of a disposition like the cost of of ex- exaltation, and that's right, and what you have to do. But the real message here, the real message of Luke fourteen, is, in a good sense, the word. What are the dividends? This whole what are the dividends of laying down your life? In other words, in a good sense of the word, what do you get out of it? What happens? What happens to a church that goes from 150 to uh, 35, 40? Well, a bunch more with you watching. What happens when you choose a route and you say, okay, I'm not telling anybody to go home. But we're not going to do the promise keepers anymore right now, and we're not going to do this and that and the other right now. I'm going to ask you to pray, and then 10 leave, 15 leave, 20 leave, 30 leave, 40 leave, 50 leave. Some, and you're going to teach that, this grace doctrine that I'm, I've learned that from a man that has set me free. That's what some of them said. I listened to this guy, and he set me free from condemnation. I know it, it set you free from condemnation. It also gave you a, a license, an open license to stay right where you were and never change. Now, his church has got 25,000, 30,000. I know. I know. Some of you know who I'm talking about. You've got 30,000, 40,000. I know it. Then again, how many of them are really saved? And then again, how many can do what is given to us from the very beginning, looking at Luke chapter 14? Now, these aren't my best glasses. My eyes are getting healed. I should have wore another pair, but you be kind to me because I'm kind of, I'm healed in Jesus' name, okay? And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him and behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. 
and he, that's Christ, took him, that's the man with dropsy, and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into the pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to those things. And then in just a moment, we're going to read what we've read also in the parable that he puts before him. But here's, here's my quandary with Jesus. And I'm, I'm certainly not disrespectful to, enough to say that I'm upset with him. I'm just a little bit like, uh, this is a little, um, how can I say this? Uh, st- stressful in a, in a certain way. Or it's, it's Lord, I, you're, the way that you did miracles, it's a little upsetting. It's a little upsetting because it's so matter of uh, ease and fact. You do know this, and I'll remind you, though, this was not a church setting. There was no worship going on. Uh, he didn't call for his disciples to come and gather around him and say, come on, guys, help me with this. Let's pray. He, he may have not, he may not have felt the presence of God. Well, Pastor, I don't feel the presence of God. That has really absolutely nothing to do with the power flowing through you. He does these things, and I said this Wednesday night, he did them, you know, the works that I do, you'll do also and greater because I go to the Father. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. All those kinds of, they sound fantastic, but he just does it without, just, he just absolutely says that and I honestly do not believe he's trying to pep us up. I believe that he believed this is supposed to be done with incredible ease. Like you're making something of this. If he could tell us, he'd say it with, with niceness. But you've really made a whole lot more of this than what it is. Uh, the kingdom of God is in you. And the kingdom of God should come forth out of you with great ease. Now he was coming into a Pharisee's house, a chief Pharisee's house. So there, there, there you go. We know that he, it seemed like he was at odds with them, but they were at odds with him. But he loved them. And he didn't go in here, and it doesn't sound like in this chapter that this chief Pharisee had invited him in there uh, to trap him. It looks like he brought him in there. I don't know if this was Nicodemus. I don't know who it was, but it was somebody that invited a chief Pharisee, brought him into his house for a sit down a meal on the Sabbath day. And this is not a church service. In other words, he didn't warm up, you know, to Harry and Robert and the worship team. He didn't warm up to go. This is not a gift. Jesus is not ministering in a gift here. It's not like He's like the Holy Ghost comes on him to minister out of him in a gift. This is a free flow, spontaneous. It's just who he is, what he is. And then he goes into talking about uh, a called supper or meal in which we are to interpret as the way for us, it would be for us to interpret revival or outpouring but the very first thing that he does i don't think that he went into i think that the holy ghost coined this i don't know that jesus thought about okay i'm going to do this so later luke and everybody else can write about this 
uh, Jesus, the very first thing he does because he comes into this room that's full of people and he sees this man with dropsy. Now that's edema. It's a swelling of the uh, joints and soft tissues of the body. It's usually, now sorry you medical people, please don't laugh. I'm limited, but I do understand somewhat. It's a congestive heart failure, um, which lends itself to the kidneys not working right. Is that correct? Okay, I got my nurse over here. And uh, so you get swelling of the joints and of the, you know, your primarily your limbs, your feet, your arms, I guess, your legs. Uh, you, you've seen people before. You're like, oh, you know, if you've ever seen people in the grocery store, you're like, oh, my God. Um, the, you know, the top ha- half of that lady or that man is kind of look normal, but the bottom half is like, it's just huge. It's like their legs, are, you know, and you don't make fun. You're just like, there's a medical problem there. Well, yeah, it's what, I don't know that they call it dropsy now. I'd probably call it something else, but, but that's what this man had. And Jesus, right to start with, with no fanfare, just the man's there. And Jesus doesn't call a healing line. It doesn't even say the man came to him. It just it was apparent that he needed healing, and he just walked over to him, and I guess walked over to him, and just healed him. And it was apparent to everyone that he was healed. I don't know how you drain 50 pounds of fluid out of a person's body to where it looks like something is, you know, <laughs> that didn't probably come out on the floor. It just Something happened, people could see there's been a notable healing take place in this man's body. But the amazing, what I want you to see as of the beginning of this chapter is that Jesus sets a standard here for what he's about to talk about because he's going to talk about true discipleship, the cost of true discipleship, but he doesn't do that before he first sets the example like saying this, he doesn't say this, but see what I just did? See, see what I just did? I just came into the room, and because I am the ultimate, let's call Jesus this, the ultimate disciple. He's the ultimate disciple. You say, well, not Jesus. He's not a disciple. Oh, yeah, he was a disciple of his father. I don't do anything except that which I see and hear of my father. Everything that the Father said for him to do, he did it. And as a result of being the ultimate disciple, then he gets to teach what a disciple. But he not only gets to teach, he gets to, he gets to show and tell. The show is, it's a perfect example. He's going to teach what it means to have true disciples and what, what they have to do. But if you backtrack to the beginning... If I'm a true disciple, I get to do what he does. Now, the rest of them couldn't do that. Well, the disciples did. Oh, they did it because he he put his hands on them and sent them out. They didn't have their own anointing. Then, they later did. Now, we've got our own anointing. That anointing doesn't come from someplace else. Now, don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit's the one that does it, and he has to come with. But that anointing dwells in you. That's not coming from outer space. That, that's where gifts and callings, that's where Joel's army's different 
because we're going to do the things that Jesus did. He said, you're going to do what I did. Well, what about the gifts in 1 Corinthians? We love the gifts. We honor them. They came from the Holy Spirit. They're really good for immature Christians. They're really good for those that are growing up. Really wonderful. And I'm not talking about, you know, praying in tongues. That we're gonna do, that's maturing. That keeps us on going. But I'm talking as he wills. It, 1 Corinthians. It was as he wills. This wasn't as he wills. The, 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 the miracle working power that's going to work in the church today is not as the Holy Spirit wills, because he always wills. It's always his will when you walk and run into that situation that there's healing available. Did he feel the presence? I don't know. He may not have felt anything. He may have felt just like, but he knew that he was where he needed to be. He was the ultimate disciple. And if you are the ultimate disciple, because all he ever did was he followed his father. Start a program today because yesterday you healed us. No, that's not what the father is telling me to do today. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. So let's read down a little bit further. So he gives this parable. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, because all these guys have just seen him heal this man. So now he's going he's to speak this. <coughs> well, verse 7, I have to read that first. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms. Meaning the chief places to be seated at the table. Saying to them, when thou art bidden of any man <coughs> to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade you, that's the host, and him come, that's the one he wanted to put in your place, and say unto thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lower room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee, and who's, bait, who's baiting us now, I, the, our Lord is telling us, I want a revival. He say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and him that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So we're gonna, he gives another part of this in just a moment. But see, our exaltation is this, and I, I think we understand this, and I'm speaking to the camera as well. Our exaltation in life is uh, that we get to do. A revivalist gets to do what their master did. And I, honest to God, I, I'll tell you honestly, the, the Lord God judge me in this. I don't believe it probably like I'm going to believe it, but I believe with all my heart, as much as I can today, that it's just going to be just as easy in the days ahead as it was for him. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John he keeps telling us, if you are my disciples, you'll do these things. If you're able to lay in the whole lesson, all of the lesson. See, I, I've been talking to you guys about breaking this iron barrier called doubt and unbelief. And, the, and I believe that. I still believe that. I believe there's a mountain called unbelief. 
overall. It's in our lives individually, and we're speaking to the parts of our body that needs to be changed. I'm speaking to my body on a daily basis on certain areas, but there's something overall, and I believe that's important. But I, the only reason why I advertise that for a moment is to say this. Equally as important, if not more important, if possible, is just coming to full discipleship, fully laying down your life. There's no, re we're saying we want revival, and I keep seeing him in the strip, I keep seeing him in Luke here do these things like just, oh, this is easiest. I mean, he doesn't do it like that, but it's just so easy. I didn't have to, we didn't have to worship for this. We didn't have to, he just does it, and I'm like, how? And yet, on the tail end of this, he hooks it up with our yielding completely to him. True, there's something now. You can call it works. You can you can try to take it and misconstrue you know, screw it all you want to. I can't do anything about you. I, you know, God bless you. This is not works. It's called discipleship. But he follows true disciples. He follows them with his power. He follows them with if you can turn. If we can turn, what we're fighting for is to turn ourselves over to true discipleship. In that we take on the full gamut of everything. It was like there was a funnel of glory continually attached to Jesus' life, a conduit. He never, ever got outside of that conduit by doing his own thing. He stayed in it, and because he was the ultimate disciple, it just flowed on him all the time. And he just would make fantastic statements like, yeah, I do this, you're going to do it also, and whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus, wait a minute. Do you understand the, the sparse, the, the void between what you're telling us? We not only have not been able to keep a lot of people alive, we've not been able to get COVID or the sniffles off of people. And you're telling, I mean, like, either we just, Either we bury that someplace in our subconscious and say, I don't understand it, but it's going to work someday, or else there's a reason why. There's got to be, because either he's lying or our concept is lying. And I don't believe the man speaking in red is lying. Because he's just making it so easy, like, no, 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 you should be able to pray, and it just happens when you pray. It just happens every time you pray. Every time? Oh, yeah, every time, all the time. This happens all the time. Lord, you're, <laughs> we put a bunch of them in the ground, and we prayed like, well, no, no, it, it still works. I don't, I don't care if your argument doesn't, your argument doesn't, our argument wouldn't change him. And I'm not saying you're arguing. I'm just saying our senses would like to argue. Okay, I'll do that. So I heard him say, he wanted me to go to another place. He, I'm supposed to be here, but he wants me to go to another place. Go to, stay, save that place, or you can turn back there easy, because we'll go to John 17. I think I told Candy some title, but I think the ultimate disciple is going to be the one that... <laughs> So look at John 17, 
Jesus is speaking and he says uh, unto his disciples, it's impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and be cast into the sea and that he should, have, that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he for repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, he's multiplying this thing out, turn again to him and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So we're not, our lesson's not on forgiveness and unforgiveness. That's important. But I want you to see what it stirred in the, the hearts of the disciples or the apostles. <laughs> the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. I mean, like this has rocked their world. I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you reconcile this? How do you, how do you ever come to a place of faith on this issue? But this faith here, it absolutely transcends all things. Look what Jesus said. This is how he answered. They asked him, increase our faith. And so he, he's going to give them a mindset and something to do. He gives them a something to do, an actual um, lab work here, you might say. And Jesus said, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey thee. Okay, here again, we got Jesus. Jesus is all about talking about mountains um, going into the sea and trees going into the sea. And, and how, what he's doing is he's teaching examples of just almost impossible things, how that if we had the faith, it says here, uh, if we have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, and there's a great deal of teaching on how that that, that grows that musters to something bigger. We understand the 30, the 60, the 100 fold. And when I say we understand, we've taught on it. You may be kind of needing, if you're watching, more understanding on it. But let's just keep it right here to the subject matter for the time being. Jesus said, if you'll say unto this, be thou plucked up, be cast over here. In other words, and, but what I like is, he says, be thou plucked up by the root. And be thou cast, uh, plucked up by the root, and be, be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. That sounds like all that other whatsoever you would ask in my name. It sounds like uh, uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24, and on following whatsoever things you desire. Believe that you receive them, you shall have them. It sounds like Matthew 17, whosoever says to this mountain, basically, and he said nothing, he, I love that, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. But what does he says? He, what does he say here? We're, we'll talk about servants here, but you can just without contradiction or doing the scripture injustice substitute true disciples. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him, by and by, when he come from the field, go and sit down to meet and will not rather say unto him make okay let me stop right there he said which of you having a servant if he's out in the field working farming or 
plowing or feeding the stock, if he comes in, which of you would think like this? Which of you, having a servant, would think like this? Which of you, having a servant, will say unto him, by and by, when he comes in from the field, go and sit down at the table to meet. You, you go sit down. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Saying to the servant, you do this first. Does he, now the, the, he, he says this, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I trow not, or I think not. In other words, no, that's, that's not the way you should think. So likewise, so that remember the first thing they said, the, the question was, or they asked was, increase our faith. So we're saying, okay, let me give you a mindset, and then let me give you something to do. So likewise, ye, when you shall have done all those things, what things? Everything he tells you to do, which are commanded you, say. Now you say. Now you do. This is your assignment. Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. In other words, the word unprofitable there doesn't mean like I'm good for nothing, pity party, I'm just a no account, nothing. The word unprofitable there, and I looked it up again two or three times this morning and then went to some uh, derivatives to make sure. Uh, one of the strong derivatives is business. I'm not a, it actually says that in the Greek, business. I'm not a business servant. In other words, I'm not in this for you to do my own thing. I'm not in this for my profit. I'm in it for your profit. In other words, whatever you tell me to do as a servant, and we can put disciple in there, Jesus is the ultimate disciple. He just did what the Father told him to do everywhere, always. And because of that, the complement of that, see, you're not going to, listen, you're not going to turn him down on Monday when he tells you to do something and say, no, I, don't, I really don't want to do that. Lord, you know, then later on in the day, forgive me. He tells you, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, or I want you to spend a little extra time of this and that. And the Lord, forgive me. You know, he'll cleanse you, he'll forgive you. But you're not working yourself towards a discipleship. And then we want to turn right around and lay hands on somebody and expect that conduit to have no effects on that. Jesus is the ultimate. He can teach these things. Obviously, he can teach them a lot better than me. But he was saying, look, uh, they said, increase our faith. We've got to have more faith. Okay, I'll tell you what. Here's your attitude. When you've done everything that the Father has told you to do, just lift up a praise and say, Lord, I'm only doing, I'm unprofitable in this sense of the word. I'm not in this for any other reason except to be your servant. He said, you wouldn't think. Now, he said, this is how you wouldn't think. You wouldn't, if that guy is working for you, when he comes in, you wouldn't say, oh, let me fix your plate first. You'd say, get things ready for me. 
because you're under my hire. You're under my hire. You're my servant. And then once I've eaten, then you can eat. You wouldn't eat. He said you wouldn't even turn around and thank him for what he was supposed to do. I could just really get off on a tangent here. I could really, I mean, <laughs> the church has been so panty-waisted, soft-touched by p- pastors that just thank people for not fornicating and not adultery. You shouldn't get no, you, you shouldn't get no patty. No, for, thank you so much for just living a, a Christian life. We just appreciate that. Thank you so much for not dabbling in pornography. <laughs> We're not supposed to get thanks from him for any of that. That's what we, that's, he says, he, here's the increase of faith. The increase of faith is way I think about myself, I'm even going to say it. I'm not in this for my own business. I want to see how far I can go as an ultimate slave, as an ultimate, uh, it's a doulos there, an ultimate slave is, he doesn't even need, he's not in this, what he's saying there is unprofitable, meaning you're not out to make your own profit. Not you're a shameful, no good, under the rug, should be walked on. I'm not in this for my profit. Therefore, as a result, that conduit, true disciples have a conduit of power that flows to them at all times. And you're not going to be on a consistent, and you can get forgiveness and go on. I'm not talking about, but you're not going to live your life telling him no, 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 no. And then turn right around and want the power also. You've got to do one or the other. You're going to live your life or you're going to go after the power. And the only way you're going to go after the power is becoming. And none of us have arrived there. I'm not trying to put that out there. You've got to become the ultimate disciple. Well, how do you know that? We're we're getting closer here. Time-wise and everything. Go back to 14. Luke 14. He says uh, in verse 12, then said he also unto him that bade him, that's that, that chief Pharisee, when thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call, and this is the heart of revival, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. Now, this isn't talking about, don't take this literally in the sense like, I can't call my friends. I can't, you know, we can't have a barbecue with us. No, no, no. We're spiritually speaking here about your life, turning your life over. Verse 14, and thou shalt be blessed, for thou they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection. Listen, the people, listen, the people that I'm fighting for, and I, I'll tell you this, it's not just them. I d- it's not that I have an ultimate uh, thing in my spirit. I do want to see people healed. I really do. Uh, I, you know, that I'm going to cherish seeing kids get out of wheelchairs and all that, all that wonderful stuff. But my motivation on a daily basis is not even, I, I, I'm not visualizing all that. And that's not my, 
My motivation, my supreme motivation is to come to know him in, in ult- ultimate servanthood. I mean, turn all of me over to him because there's an intimacy in that, folks, I cannot explain to you except you've experienced any of it. If you've ever been touched by it, you can't get away from it. And it'll put something on side of you, with the, whether you're a pulpit or somebody out there. But out of that, then he says, go after them. Well, there's a bunch of people out there. They're, they're, they can't fight for themselves. They can't fight for themselves. They don't know him. And they don't know him in any authority. We're the only ones with authority right now. I know it looks like we can't get all this COVID off of people or sniffles, but, but there's something working in us. There is a power that's working in us. And that power is running alongside of ultimate discipleship and turning ourselves over to the Lord. Now, he says this in verse 15, And one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things and said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said unto him, he turns right around, Jesus said, A certain man made a great supper. He's talking about this twice now. And bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. You know this whole story here. And I must needs go see it. I pray thee have me excused. Now, Jesus, what he's doing here, because he talks about disciples a little bit later here, about a true disciple turns his whole life over. He doesn't love his father, his mother, his, his brother, his sister, for his own life also. Before he ever gets to that part, he's telling you those who did. What? He's telling you people that aren't true disciples. He's telling you that, see, because a true disciple, I'm not talking about people that are saved. Please, I think we established that. Uh, I'm not talking about people born again or getting to heaven. There's a, (laughs) can a person get to heaven and him not be Lord over their life? You better hope so. Most of the church, he's not Lord. They say, I want to thank my Lord and Savior. They, that's a term. He has become their Savior if they've truly trusted in the blood. Lord is, is, equal, is equal to discipleship. Discipleship's a disciplined follower. It's somebody that's a doulos, turning their, you could say, disciple. Jesus said in John, you are my friends. My friends, if you do whatsoever, whatsoever is equal to everything. If you do everything, you qualify as my friend. You could also substitute that you're my disciple if you do whatever I tell you. For the, for the guy who stands and says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, you know, that's good. I don't know if he is your, I, I can, probably your Savior. You're probably going to get there. But very, very, at this point in time without revival, a small, small portion of the church knows him as Lord. Where they're there, he's truly, now he's Lord over maybe he gets part of their life. Thank God there's a 30, 60, and 100. Revival doesn't exist in any other place except 100. It doesn't. Can we get there? Absolutely. If we couldn't have, he wouldn't have called us. He wouldn't have called us to this place. But those who said this, the guy here, he says, uh, one consent, the first one said, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go see it. I pray thee have. Is that anything wrong about purchasing property? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong about going and looking at the property that you purchased? Absolutely not. It was just on that particular day, he needed that guy to come 
and do what he said. And that guy had a response other than the one that we just read over in Luke 17 that says, I'm not in this, I'm not. This guy said, no, when I get done, basically he probably said, you know, when I get done coming back from doing what I, I've, I've intended to do, I'll come and do what you've asked me to do. Is that, I will ask you, is that a true ultimate disciple? Do you think, do you think that Jesus would have said that to his father? Uh, you know, uh, I have worked for the last 30 days solid, casting out devils, healing sick, doing, and you want me to go where and do what? Not today. Not today. But he was empowered. He was in grace. Somebody else said, well, Pastor, my God, who can do this? You can do it. We can do it. We can raise up strong. A group that never, ever comes to a place is because they've given themselves excuses like, well, I'm only human. I, I am so, here's what I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful that when he healed this man at the beginning of this chapter of dropsy, when he walks in the room without gifts of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe a gift of the Holy Ghost was on him. I don't know, I don't know if he felt God or not. There was no, it wasn't church, I know that. There was no worship team. Nobody was... Nobody, he didn't ask his disciples to come and join him and help him pray this guy through. He just did it. And you know what I'm so thankful? He did it as a man. There was no, God didn't do that. The God, the Holy Spirit did it through a man. But there wasn't an ounce of God in the flesh doing that. I kind of wish, I kind of wish that God would have done that. You know, God in the flesh. I, I really kind of. But not really. I kind of, because that, uh, I could have made excuses like, I could have said, you know what? Deity did that. Bless God. I didn't feel like praying yesterday. And I don't think I'm, you know, I, I in fact, in fact, I need a two-week vacation. God bless you. I'm just going to go. Because deity did that. No, humanity did that. A man who ate and drank and had to go potty somewhere. A man who had fleshly things come against him. And he ultimately kept laying down his life, laying down his life. The guy that said, no, I've got a piece of, now that's not a disciple. I'm not, that he, so he gives other examples here. He goes, uh, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. Buying equipment is not wrong. And I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife. Getting married is not wrong. I have married dozens and dozens of couples. I can't remember how many people I've married. It's not wrong. I do counseling. They get married. They have live a happy ever after life. <laughs> but if they said on the day that he invited them, I can't do that because I've done. They weren't his disciples. So he's saying there are things in life that are not wrong. But if yet, if you don't do it, when I ask you to do it, you're not my disciple. So then you take it all the way back to the beginning. Then if you if you're if you if you give the excuse like I've married a wife, I can't come. Are you going to be able to walk into a room where a man with dropsy and yesterday told him, no, I can't come. And then you're going to turn around and claim one of the power promises out of Mark 16. Whosoever, you know, lay hands on the sick. They're going to know those that Mark 16 was made to disciples and disciples do whatever he says when he says it. They may have messed up from time to time and have to go to the blood, but they don't live that lifestyle. They don't live a lifestyle like, no, Lord, you told me, you know, uh, 
I'll pick and choose to come to church when I want to, you know. Or now you're getting nitpicky. No, I'm getting real. We, we don't, here's the deal, as douloses or as Luke 17 unprofitable servants, we, have, we really have no choice. Now, I have choices. I mean, I, I got to feed my, you know, I got to do stuff. You know, you do stuff. You don't look for him to tell you when to go take a bath or do your laundry. Or, but when he says, when he gives you a prescription in your life, I want you to fast certain days of the week. I want you to, or certain meals of the week, and then you don't do it, are you not saved? Absolutely, you're, you're absolutely not. You are saved. You are going to heaven. You're just not a disciple, not a full-blown disciple. And full-blown disciples are the, are the ones to whom the promises were made. The ones who say, um, see, we, we get these things here where we say, well, no, they, they, didn't, they didn't go when he asked them to come. But that's no different than when he asks you to do certain things in prayer. I want you to start praying 30 extra minutes or 20 extra minutes or give your, your cell phone certain days of the week to at least a half a day of fasting or this or that and the other. And if you go on, do you make heaven? Yes, you do. Were you a disciple? No, you weren't. Because disciples do whatsoever he says. I call you friends because you are my friends. Why? Because you do, a friend does whatever a friend asks them to do. I wish Callie Pearl was here. <laughs> Another said, I've bought five yokes. We read that. Another said, I've married a wife. We read that. And so the servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, it doesn't make him happy, and said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes, the city. Bring in the hither, hither the poor, the maimed, the halt. Do you, do you see what he's saying here? These people, the first bunch were not the poor, the maimed, the halt. He didn't call. He says, "Don't do that." He just said to the man that invited him, "Call the halt, the maimed." But when he starts his story, he doesn't call them. He calls. He if you if you if you're rich enough to buy land or a house or get married or your life is together. He was call, He wasn't calling the crippled, the blind. In the first part of this, these people were facilitators. He was saying, come and help me with this supper. What's the supper? I need prayer warriors. I need fasters. I need those who will turn their life over. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll say this because I have to say this. I'll put an asterisk beside this. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, these messages are not about heaven and hell. They're not. Uh, we, you know... Every once in a while, he'll give a heaven and hell, like you didn't need to get born again message. Those are important. These are training revivalists. These are the last 30. It's the last part. It's the last part of turning our lives over. Because either we're going to do one way or the other. Either we're going to go, either if we want to grow. Now, if, if our ultimate goal was growth, church growth, you'd have to do one or the other. You'd have to stop this. Because this will only run people off. You're, you're either engage in this and do it and find the joy of it, or else you can't take this. This is too much. Or else then you go to programming. And as I said, I looked at that one church and I said, I wasn't being mean. I said, man, I would love to be a part of this church. Because I could go three or four nights a week and there's so much going on here. Um, 
for one thing, I could hide. You know, if you've got a thousand people and nobody knows your name but a few people, nobody's going to be keeping account o- of you. You do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and <laughs> you can hide like in the, you know, when you go to a theater and they turn the lights off, nobody knows who you are. You're in the audience. There's a thousand people here, but I, nobody knows me, and I get to do what I want to do. But we're, this is like, <laughs> God help us. I, I feel sorry for people sometimes. This is like an operating room. We put bright lights in your face, but we offer this. The reward of exchange is an intimacy with Jesus Christ that cannot, it cannot be equal with anything in this life. And the outpouring will accomplish the end result that they are accomplishing, and they're not our enemy, but we will see thousands. We will ultimately see thousands. You have to ask yourself this. What did Jesus do? One, uh, he, he had no program. He had zero program. Okay, we had all he, he preached the word, and, uh, and he healed the sick. Preach the word, heal zero programs, no feeding programs. We were here yesterday over on the other side, and you, 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 you fed us. And he goes, I know, you, you followed me over here for, to start a feeding program. I'm not starting a feeding program. I did that. I'll, 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 I'll do that. It was about three weeks another time uh, for some, a bunch of people. But that two times in my whole ministry will I ever feed everybody. You know, so I'm not saying, you know, the first church I know had a feeding program. I know, I understand that. Um, but Jesus had zero feeding, pro- zero programs, and he had zero advertisements. In fact, he would just absolutely tell people, don't, don't tell people what I just did. Don't go into town and don't tell it. And yet, here's the deal. Miracles will ultimately bring the same thing that all the programs do. It just takes a whole lot more blood, sweat, and tears in the spirit to get it done. It will bring, it. one day we'll come to the place where we'll say, mm, turn the cameras off or something. We can't facilitate, facilitate all of these people coming in here and asking to get born again. We won't say that, but I'm telling you, if he, read the scriptures. He would heal people and he would beg them, don't, don't, don't say anything to anybody. And they would just tell it like, like, you know, like their tails were on fire. It both, both ways end up with a lot of people. This way is just crazy in regards to logic. The other way will facilitate and bring a lot of people in, but it's programs versus power. Hallelujah. All right, let's all stand together. I will remind you there will be prayer tonight, and I think we'll do a little... Gary Carpenter, I, I listened to it already one time. It's one of those ones I want to listen to again. Hallelujah. Wonderful audience. We thank you for your giving. We love everybody watching. And Father, we bless you. We praise you for your great grace as we enter into this season of fasting and prayer and going forward in God. We ask you to guide us and lead us in the days ahead. Lord, more than anything else, we thank you for our friends all of our friends, all of our Christian friends who are getting people saved. Thank God. Thank you so much. We appreciate them. We respect them so much. We just thank you for it, Lord. We just love them. Thank you for it. You've just given us another assignment, and there's no way to do this assignment except we turn ourselves over 
as an ultimate and ultimate disciple. So I'm asking you to guide us and lead us in the days ahead to do and accomplish that very thing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. I'll see you tonight at 6.